We're in Colossians chapter 1 this morning, Colossians chapter 1, uh, continuing on here as we think about this uh, Thanksgiving for the Colossians, as we started a couple weeks looking at this, the Thanksgiving for the Colossians that Paul had for these Christian believers in uh, the city of Colossae. And so Colossians chapter 1, we've looked at these verses a little bit and we're going to finish up looking at them here this morning. Uh, Verses 3 through 8, Colossians 1, 3 through 8. So if you found your place, if you'd stand with me if you would and follow along as I read Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Starts out here in verse 3, Colossians chapter 1. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. For since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints, five, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Verse 6, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. Verse 7, as ye also learned of Epaphroditus, our dear, dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. Verse 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you again for uh, your word. We thank you that we have uh, your word in our language, that we might be able to hear it and understand it. Lord, we thank you that we have it to study and to meditate upon. Uh, We pray that we would allow your word to get into our hearts, that we might be uh, men and women of God. We thank you for this opportunity now. We thank you for uh, each one here, and we pray your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Scottish minister Alexander White was known for his uplifting prayers in the pulpit. He always found something for which to be grateful. One Sunday morning, the weather was so gloomy that one church member thought to himself, certainly the preacher won't think of anything for which to thank the Lord on a wretched day like this. Much to his surprise, however, White began by praying, We thank Thee, O God, that it is not always like this. Alexander White was known as a thankful man. The Apostle Paul was known as a thankful man as well. Over 40 times in his letters, Paul used the words uh, like uh, thankful or thanks or thank and thanksgiving uh, to, to remind us that he was a very thankful person. Remember that when the Apostle Paul wrote his letters, he was writing to churches that had problems. Some type of problem, whether it was a doctrinal problem or maybe a behavior problem. And yet he was always very thankful for these same Christians. And so last time we, uh, two weeks ago, as last week we had uh, something special, but last Last time, a couple weeks ago, we began looking at how, how Paul was thankful for these Colossian believers. And we, we noted that he was thankful that they heard the gospel. 
And that was what we looked at, that they were, that Paul was thankful that they heard the gospel. And, and this morning we want to continue on that Paul was thankful that they believed in Jesus Christ. He was thankful they believed in Jesus Christ. Remember the sequence of events. <coughs> Excuse me. As, uh, as we looked at before, that Paul had preached the gospel in Ephesus. Remember, he preached there. It was two or three years. And it told us there in the book of Acts that everyone throughout Asia heard the gospel as Paul preached. And the only way that that could happen was if people were traveling to Ephesus and hearing the gospel and then going back to their hometowns and proclaiming it. And that's what we believe happened with this man from verse 7 in our uh, scripture text this morning. Epaphras. We believe that he heard Paul preach back in that city of Ephesus and that Epaphras got saved. And then he went back to his hometown of Colossae and proclaimed the gospel to his friends and family and so forth. And they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ from Epaphras and they believed and were saved as well. Now, according to, uh, as we went through the Gospel of John, John 16 tells us that the Holy Spirit convicts. And uh, the, the Holy Spirit, and we're going to find out here in verse 8, uh, I'm just kind of skipping ahead to something in my notes. Verse 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. This is the only time in this letter that the Holy Spirit is mentioned. Okay? We need to remember that. This is the only time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But we know that the Holy Spirit works. John chapter 3, where Jesus told Nicodemus, ye must be born again. Remember, He said, the wind bloweth where, where it willeth. In other words, the wind blows, and you can't see the wind. You just see the effects of the wind. And that's the way the Holy Spirit works. We don't see the Holy Spirit. We see the effects of the Holy Spirit when He convicts people's hearts and they come to saving faith in Christ. And John 16 tells us that the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts people. And so the Holy Spirit is doing His work. We might not see it, but we know He's doing His work. Because the Holy Spirit, being God is always doing His work. And so, that's what happened with the Colossian people, that they heard the Gospel, the Holy Spirit convicted them, and they then came to faith in Christ. And that's basically the, the ordained sequence of things uh, when the spread of the Gospel is concerned. Uh, in Romans chapter 10, I'm just going to read these verses here. Uh, some verses I'm sure you've heard of before. Romans chapter 10, beginning in verse 14. It says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is... As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? 
Verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And that is the God-ordained way of spreading the Gospel. Somebody has to preach it. Somebody has to deliver it for somebody to hear it, for the Holy Spirit to convict them, and for them to believe it. That's just the sequence that has to take place. We understand that. And we know that that same thing still happens today. And if we had time, we could go around and we could give everybody's testimony here. We don't have time for that, obviously. Uh, but we could get a, the general frame of things is that we heard the gospel, whether it was by a preacher or by a family member or by somebody on the radio, TV, whatever it was. Somebody told us the gospel. And whether you know it or not, the Holy Spirit then convicted you. The Holy Spirit showed you that yes, you really do need Jesus Christ. You're a sinner, and sinners do not have a way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. And so, the Holy Spirit convicted you, and then you believed. And all of our testimonies are generally the same of how we come to faith in Christ. Because that's the way God set it up. And I know that's the way it happened with me. I was in Sunday school as a little boy. I've, I've told you my testimony before. Uh, the Sunday school teacher uh, said something about salvation. And I did not understand. And so again, there she was preaching the gospel to me. I didn't understand it. The Holy Spirit begins to convict me. I went home and later that week I talked to my mom. I said, what did she mean about salvation and about being saved? I didn't understand that. And so wisely my mom got her Bible out and showed me from the Scriptures how I was a sinner and that Jesus died for my sin and that I needed to place my faith in Jesus Christ so I could be saved from my sin. It's, pretty, it's just step by step, pretty simple. And again, all of us have a similar testimony. It's going to have a little bit different details, but we know that's just the way God works. And somebody told you, and the Holy Spirit convicted you, and you trusted in Christ, and that's how we get saved. And we know that's the way it works. And that's the way it worked with the Colossians as well. And that's still the way people get saved today. Somebody has to tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, it comes right straight from the Word of God. We will probably use some Bible verses, but uh, some things we just say. And the Holy Spirit convicts their heart, and finally they believe. And the Bible tells us that once a, a sinner comes to faith in Christ... It says, the angels in heaven rejoice. And that's the truth. And I'm just asking a question. How many of you are thankful that somebody told you about faith, about Jesus Christ? Of course we are. We're, we're, we just are so thankful. We look back. Oh, Lord, thank you for somebody telling me about Jesus Christ. I'm so glad. I'm so thankful. But guess what? There's somebody that still needs to know Jesus Christ. And we know who they are. They're maybe our neighbors, maybe uh, family members, and the list goes on. And they need to know Jesus Christ. 
And so we need to be that one that still shares the gospel today with our family or friends or neighbors, whoever they might be. And so we need to make sure that we're like that, that we're that one that shares the gospel. And we need to remember that salvation is always centered in Jesus Christ. There's a, 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 some people today that they are so wrapped up in faith that it's like, well, you need to have faith in faith. Folks, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> it's not having faith in faith. It's faith in Jesus Christ, isn't it? Amen? That's where faith, that's where our faith, if our faith is in faith, then we have a bad faith because it's only faith in Jesus Christ that saves. So we need to make sure that we focus on Jesus Christ when we share the gospel with someone. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. That's what Epaphras did. And so Paul was thankful that they not only heard, but that he was thankful that they believed. Because not everyone that hears believes. We wished it was so, but it's not. Not everyone that hears the gospel believes the gospel and trusts in Jesus Christ. There are going to, we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven on who isn't in heaven. We're also going to be surprised at who is in heaven. And some of them may be looking at us and may be surprised that we're in heaven. I don't know. But uh, that, that's a fact. We're going to be surprised when we get to heaven of who's there and who's not there. And, and that's just a fact. But it goes back to who did you place your faith in? Did you place your faith in Jesus Christ or not? Paul was thankful that they heard the gospel and that they believed the gospel. And he goes on and says here in verse 7 that he was thankful that they were discipled by Epaphras. Epaphras was a discipler. The Great Commission was given for salvation, but it was not given just for salvation. It was also given for discipleship. Now, Matthew 28, 19, and 20 is the verses that we usually refer to as the Great Commission, where Jesus says to the, the disciples, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so that first part is evangelizing. Teach them. Go into all the world and teach them. Evangelize them is the idea there. And then evangelize them, get them saved. Then see them get baptized. Again, baptism doesn't save. Baptism is a public uh, testimony that you are saved. And so, get them saved, see that they're baptized, and then you teach them all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And guess what he's talking about? He's talking about the Word of God, the Bible. Teach them what the Bible says so that they can then become those who go out and evangelize and disciple as well. And so that's what Epaphras did. 
It says there in verse 7, As ye also learned of Epaphras. That word learned there in verse 7 is related to the word disciple in the Greek language. Okay? That's what he's talking about. Epaphras led you to Christ, and then he also discipled you. You learned of these things from Epaphras. Now, the Scriptures tell us in 1 Peter that new believers are looked at in the Scriptures as newborn babes. They're just a baby in Christ. Now, uh, if, you, if you haven't seen the pictures of our little baby boy, uh, grandbaby, uh, Rex, then uh, Suzanne's got lots of pictures for you to get caught up on. Because we're proud of Rex, of course. And of course, that's what grandparents are for, uh, to spoil their grandkids. Uh, and then they can send them home. <laughs> we'll spoil you, and then you go home, and we'll rest, and you go give mom and dad grief. But, uh, but we're proud of Rex, and uh, we mentioned it in Sunday school this morning that Brett and Emily now are expecting as well. They knew this last week when they were here. Uh, but we couldn't tell you because they needed to make sure that their home church knew first. And so, sorry, we're second, we're second class because this isn't their home church. But, uh, but now you know. But, uh, but Brett and Emily are now expecting. And they're due like in January, so it's a long ways off. Uh, but anyway, but we're, we're proud grandparents. But, but we look at these little ones and we think, oh man, they're so precious and so wonderful. But we don't want them to stay babies. We want them to grow up. And the same thing is true with Christians. New baby Christians are nice and wonderful and sweet and all, but we don't want them to stay baby Christians. We want them to grow up in Christ. And that's what 1 Peter 2.2 says, where it says, uh, uh, let me see, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word. Desire the pure milk of the Word. The Word of God is what he's talking about there. The pure milk. And again, and then in, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where he taught, where the Apostle Paul talks to the Corinthians who were carnal Christians, and he told them, as they've been saved for several years, he says, you're still on milk. You need to be into the meat of the Word. The meat of the Word. And isn't that what we do with babies? What do they start with? They start with mother's milk or something like that, and then they get on to the other stuff. And right now, Rex, who's just a little over one year old, uh, a year and a month or so, guess what he wants? He doesn't want milk. He wants, he wants what's on mama's plate. He wants what's on daddy's plate. He sees what they got, and that's what he wants. He wants the good stuff. He didn't want the little baby stuff anymore. He wants the good stuff. And I can remember when, uh, when our boys were little, we went up to see my mother-in-law and father-in-law as when they lived in Virginia. We went and saw them, went out to eat. Uh, Grandpa was somewhere else, I don't remember, but uh, Grandma was with us. And uh, Grandma was slipping Brett French fries on the side. And we got home and couldn't figure out why he didn't want his baby food anymore. That's because he wanted real food. He wanted them french fries. He wanted the good stuff. 
And that, that's, that's what we as believers, as we grow up in Christ, we should want the good stuff of the meat of the Word of God. And that's what Epaphras brought to them. He brought to them the good stuff. He helped them to grow in Christ. D.L. Moody, great Christian preacher of the past, he said, it is better to train ten people than to do the work of ten people. But it is harder. And that's the truth. That's discipleship. Helping people to grow. A disciple did not simply sit at the feet of his teacher and listen. He was someone who lived with the teacher and who learned not only by listening, but also by doing. It's more the idea today of what we would call an apprentice. Somebody who's learning side by side with the expert and is learning and doing and doing and learning all these things together so that they then grow to be the one who becomes the expert. And so that's what, when we are a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are to be an apprentice and learning what Jesus Christ wants us to learn and do. And then we are to disciple others to help them to grow and learn and do what Jesus Christ wants us to do. So Epaphras was that, that kind of a man. But Epaphras also, as Paul calls him here, our dear fellow servant. Our dear fellow servant. Epaphras was a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was a faithful minister, as it says there in verse 7 also. He's our dear fellow servant and who is for you a faithful minister of Christ. He had won people to Christ. He had helped them to grow in Christ by teaching them the Word of God. And so Epaphras also it tells us in chapter 4, verse 2, look at that, it says, Continue in prayer and, thanks, and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Epaphras no doubt prayed for these people as well. Uh, and then in verse 12 of chapter 4, uh, chapter 4, I read verse 2, and then also verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, greeteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So he prayed for them. And Epaphras was that faithful servant as well. The word here, faithful servant, it has the idea of co-slaves, co-slaves of the same master. And of course, Paul and Epaphras were co-slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. Epaphras was himself a disciple of Jesus and desired to help others become a disciple of Jesus as well. This being a co-slave was not something that was forced on Epaphras, he willingly stepped into that position of being a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul, Paul was not only thankful that they had heard the gospel and that they believed the gospel and thankful for Epaphras, but he was thankful that they became fruitful in Christ. They became fruitful in Christ. Back in verse 6, 
It says, which is come unto you as it is in all the world and bringeth forth fruit. The gospel always brings forth fruit. The gospel always brings forth fruit. Salvation always brings forth fruit. And there's all kinds of fruit that that is mentioned in the scriptures here in the New Testament. There's the, the fruit of just generally good works. We know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Then in verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so we're saved by grace through faith, and then we're saved to do good works. And so that's part of the fruit that he's talking about here is the fruit of good works. There's also the fruit of Christian character. The fruit of Christian character. It's in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 through 23. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. That's our Christian character. That should be what comes out of our life. That kind of Christian character. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 15 talks about the fruit of souls won to Christ. Romans 15, verses 26 through 28, I'm not going to turn there, but talks about the fruit of giving monetarily. And then in Hebrews 13, 15, it talks about the fruit of of praise and thanksgiving to our Lord, to our Lord. So the and of course the longer that we're saved, the more this fruit should become part of our lives. And so this is the fruit that he's talking about. And he mentions some specific fruits in in these verses. Look at verse 4, since we heard of your faith in, in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. And verse 8, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. The unsaved person, the unsaved person is mostly wrapped up in themselves, in a love for themselves. It's not that they don't love other people, they do, but they are mostly wrapped up in themselves. When we come to faith in Christ, when we come to faith in Christ, our love should be wrapped up in Jesus and others. Remember what Jesus said there in Matthew 22 when He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love the Lord with everything you got. Love Him first. And he said the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so our love turns away from ourself and turns toward the Lord and to other people. And that's exactly what the Colossians did. And of course, this love is not a shallow feeling. It's not a shallow emotion. It's a product of of the Holy Spirit that we saw there in Galatians 5.22.
And, and as I mentioned earlier, this right here, verse 8, is the only time that the Holy Spirit is mentioned in this letter. It's not because the Holy Spirit isn't important, but remember, what's the theme of the main theme of Colossians? Is the preeminence of Jesus Christ. And what does the Holy Spirit want us to do? More than anything, He wants us to focus on Jesus Christ. Focus on Jesus Christ. That's what John, in the Gospel of John, that's what he said that the Holy Spirit was going to come and do. The Holy Spirit will come and teach you all things and will help you to know Jesus Christ better. And guess what? Here in Colossians, the preeminence of Christ, Jesus is is first place. And so we need to make sure that that's what we are doing. Keeping Jesus Christ first. It's not that we never talk about the Holy Spirit. It's just that the Holy Spirit wants us to focus on Jesus as well. And so, here it is. They had this love for the Lord. They had love for each other. For all the saints, as he talks about there. So there's that fruit of love. And then verse 5, he talks about the fruit of hope. It says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So there's the fruit of love. There's the fruit of hope. And again, hope in the Bible is not a hope so, but a confident expectation. Believers have a confident expectation of something laid up in heaven. And that's what it says in verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Maybe he's talking there about uh, uh, what it says in Matthew 6, 19 and 20, where it says, Don't lay up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break through and steal. All you had to do is watch the news the last few weeks and, and if somebody had their, their uh, treasure in a, in a store, what happened to that store? It was all gone, wasn't it? Some of it was burned up. Some of it was looted. And it's all gone. And there's some of these store owners that are not going to be able to come back from this. And so they're, they're gone. They're, they're, they're done. It's just very sad. But that's where their hope and that's where their uh, treasure was. But if our treasure's in heaven, and that's where that verse, the, those verses in Matthew 6 continue on, but he says, but lay up treasure in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Make sure that your treasure is in heaven. Make sure that your treasure is in heaven. And so it could be the fruit of hope. could be talking about our treasure in heaven. It could be talking about the treasure of the Lord Jesus Christ in His return. As Titus chapter 2 talks about the blessed hope, which is the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that means, the blessed hope. And we have many uh, gospel songs that talk about the blessed hope. The blessed hope. We're looking for Jesus to return. And that's a, that's a treasure that we have. And the Colossians had heard before of this hope. Uh, there in... In verse uh, 6, I think it was, or where'd it go? No, 5. For, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, which ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. They heard this before. Before what? 
before the false teachers and their false teachings had crept in. Their false teaching had crept in and were taking away their hope that they had in Jesus Christ. You see, the return of Jesus Christ is a wonderful hope for the believer. Even today, there are many false teachers who do not believe in any kind, any form of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and I know there's lots of different positions and, and thoughts on when Jesus is going to return, and that's okay. But there are some who don't believe that Jesus is ever going to return. Folks, Jesus is going to return. And as, things, as, as we look at things happening in the world today, it certainly doesn't look like it's going to be that far off. I really don't believe And I believe that Jesus is coming again, and we need to make sure that we're ready for that. And so we need to make sure as we continue on living in this world, as we finish up here this morning in these verses, that we need to be Christians who have a thankful attitude that for what we have and for who we have and for the gospel that we heard and all these different things that we can be thankful for. And we should be different from the world around us. The world around us is not a thankful world. It is not a thankful world. In fact, the the way the world looks today, they are not thankful for anything. In fact, they just want more and more and more. They're not thankful for anything. We need to be thankful people. Thankful people for what the Lord has blessed us with and for the salvation that we have and for things like this and be thankful for one another as well and then we as Christians we need to be checking our spiritual growth in our spiritual life is there fruit spiritual fruit in our spiritual life is there that fruit is there that fruit of good works the fruit of that Christian character and these other things that we talked about. Is there that spiritual fruit in our lives? Because the Colossians had it. We as believers should have that kind of fruit still today. And if you're still here this morning and have never come to faith in Christ, that's where you need to start. By putting your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You so much for our Savior, for all that He's done for us. We thank You for the, uh, the salvation that somebody told us about, the gospel of Jesus Christ that they told us, and that we were able to uh, place our faith in Christ after the Holy Spirit convicted us. Lord, we thank You so much for that. Lord, help us now to be sharing that gospel with others that we come in contact with. Help us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to show them how Jesus died for them and how they can come to faith in Christ simply by placing their faith, their trust in Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we thank You for uh, the salvation that we have. Uh, Help us to be thankful people. We know this world is not a very thankful thankful world. Uh, The population of this world is not very thankful. 
And yet, Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. We pray that we would show our gratitude to you the way that we should. We thank you for each one here. We pray your blessing now as we close this service in Jesus' name. And as we sing our song of invitation in Jesus' name, amen.